Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I always appreciate any kind words, but when your pastor says things, you, you know he means it. And uh, you, you guys are blessed. And you, you know that already. You know, you know more than me. You've You've seen him up here. I don't get to hear him preach enough. But you know that the fact that I'm here, he's going to have to reciprocate. So <laughs> y'all just got to deal with that best way you can. But um, I I don't have any other friends that I can say are like Brother Boyd. There, there's none like him. And as far as his impact on my life and his words, and we speak through some media every day it's not phone always but texting or something just about every day and uh, he has uh, just been a tremendous help and his wife has just been an awesome friend to my wife they're real people they're just real and it's just uh, always a pleasure to be here it is I look forward to it and I almost was going to ask him hey I want to come be with you and then the Lord moved on him and asked me it, it was me first, though. I felt it before he called. Make of that whatever you want to. But um, I'm, I, I have gone places um, to minister. I'm a pastor, so I'd rather be at home unless it's something like this, you know, and this is always a treat. But um, I've gone places to minister, and my wife hasn't been there. And, uh, and it's not that i got to come home and try to tell her everything. And I, I love to do that. But it's great to have my wife with me when I'm somewhere. And she loves the Boyds as much as I do. And so we just, this is a, a treat for us. I want you to know that. And um, this church is amazing. And if, you're, if you have never been out of the church in another church to hear about Hatchbend, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But people that come and preach here, people that are, that are fortunate to be in service with you, just say it's the most amazing church. Your worship, your intensity, your love for your pastor, the way you show that. It's just, this is a great group. And it's, so it's an honor, honor to be here for that today. Amen. Let's go into the word of the Lord so I don't continue to say stuff that, you know, it's good. It's all good and all true. But there is a time stamp on this very day. And we got we to gotta move on. First uh, Samuel chapter 17 and verse 14 through 16. And then I'm going to go down. Uh, to verse 21 through 29. And, uh, and David was the youngest and the three eldest of his brothers, of course. They followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Now, I'm going to skip some things because we know that story. Our children know that story. But going down to verse 21 to save some time. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. 
And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the enemy and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were sore afraid. Now realize the Philistines were in rank now. It had gone on 40 days, but now they were lined up, right flank, left flank, center left, center right. They were ready and setting up as a football team would, but with a lot more men. And they were getting ready to fight. And the men of Israel, they, they fled from him and were afraid. Can just imagine that they're, the Philistines are set up and, and, and God's people are turning and running away from these giants. And so the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? David was offended because of God's people. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep? What a put down. What would you do with that job you know, that you had, that you, you've left the sheep there in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not maybe a place I could maybe be of help here somewhere? (laughs) I want to talk about fresh faith. I know you have faith today, and I have faith. Thank God for faith. But I think it's necessary to have fresh faith. Amen. Let's ask God to bless us today. Father, thank you for your blessings on this service, God, and for the worship that is here. And Lord, these that help to bring in your presence as we lift you up with song and praise. Father, I ask you today to let your word, let it have an impact on the hearts today, Father. And allow us to see you as our very present help in time of need. Lord, we thank you so much for your blessings, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. So it goes without saying that Israel was terrified of this giant of a man. But unfortunately, a spirit of fear settled over uh, the battlefield. You can have a spirit of fear just like you can have a spirit of excitement and a spirit of faith. You can have a spirit of excitement and expectancy, but when you have a spirit of fear, all those other things are for naught. And he had taunted them, when you really think about how long, 40 days is. 40 days of him taunting them and calling them cowards. And now it had gone on long enough, and so the Philistines now were setting up in rank. We're coming after you no matter what you do. We wanted it to be man against man, but you're not falling into that, so let's go. And, and, and so they were, Israel was paralyzed, and, and this giant was ready to go ahead and, and take his next steps. And he was, was uh, about to leave his mark on history as he had done to many other armies, I'm sure, before. 
and uh, they could already see, the Philistines could already imagine the last battle and this men scattered around and bodies everywhere. So they were about to go ahead and, and, and commence with what they were very good at doing. But uh, unfortunately for them, David arrived, but he came not from the tauntings of a giant and not from seeing the size of these men, but, but David came from, from, from little sheep, about knee high. He came from the sheepfold, but, but he also came from a place where when the lion came and when the bear came, David slew the lion and he slew the bear, but he had enough understanding of God to know that God gave me the power to do that. It wasn't my own ability but God came over me and helped me to slay the threat that came against the sheep that I was keeping and so when Eliab said what have you done with those few sheep I'm sure David kind of laughed to himself and said but if only you knew what happened to those few sheep they're in good hands because God is greater than what you even think he is right now amen God is, is able to do anything that we ask or we can truly believe him to do easier said, easier said than done. But David came from a place of fresh faith and he brought that freshness into the battlefield. And, and he said, you know, this man is a reproach to God's people. That's because he came from outside of their conformity to fear. They were all falling in line with fear, all together talking about how big the giant was and how small they were in his sight. And, and not a man for 40 days was, was willing to go stand before the giant. Uh, but see, David, and this is where it's so important for us in our alone time, David came from his own personal victories of killing that lion and bear that proved to be very important to that present situation. And when we have our victories, when we press ahead, when we go get to a, a deeper place with God we don't have an idea how great that's going to play in our tomorrows or, or in our next weeks when we find ourselves in a battle against an enemy but Goliath's main weapon was fear and David conquered that with, with fresh faith and he turned the battle around and everybody's attitude around for a great victory but once the giant listen to this once the giant was dead the Bible says Israelites defeated the Philistines they fled whenever the giant fell because now now they realized their champion was down because that little boy took a rock and hit him in the head and chopped his head off with his own sword that's all that needed to happen and Israel defeated the Philistines Listen, they were all big men. They were giants. They were all bigger than God's people. But it was because David came from outside that atmosphere of fear. And there is no fear in God's atmosphere. Amen. I'm thankful today that God's power wipes that away. We must take the enemy's weapon out of his hand. Whatever it is he's taunting you with, I'll tell you, I don't want to go through the list and name it and try to give him all the glory. I'm talking about our enemy. But he'll take your past and he'll shake it in front of you and say, you think you're trying to be something big for God? I'm going to remind you of what you were. I'm going to remind you of how you failed. I'm going to remind you that you went back on your word. You tried and failed again. You made a promise and you didn't follow through on your promise. You're nothing. You, you're a nobody. You'll never be able to stand for them again he will try to bring your past and make it the weapon for his present against you and we've got to be able to stand firm against him David simply changed that atmosphere and turned that battle around because David had been victorious in his private world 
David was victorious in his private world, amen. We got to start with small things. We got to conquer the little things, amen. We got to conquer the little moments of our life and, 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 and recapture those little times together and say, I'm going to turn that over to the Lord and I'm going to use it to establish my, my footing again and I'm going to get back to the things that I've been trying to. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it because if, if we are faithful in the little things and in our private world, then amen, we're going to come before God on a Sunday and begin to praise him for the little victories that we have and your enemy is going to be running because he knows you're mounting up an offense against him amen we are being challenged and changed by the atmosphere we're in and this church has always always been wonderful about setting an atmosphere it hinges on breakthrough and you've had some breakthroughs (laughs) doesn't it do that it's just like you're right on that edge and it could go either direction could have happened today but, you know, Brother Boyd's like, we got a preacher here, so we're going to dial it down a little. You know? <laughs> I've had some nervous evangelists before when we were getting going. And evangelists, you can tell he's sitting there going, well, am I going to preach or not? And, we, you know, we're all going, well, I don't know which way it's going to go. God's probably good with either way, but the guy's probably going to preach, you know, if he's there. Someone who has been victorious alone. They're not contaminated by an atmosphere of unbelief. But, but we got to be victorious when we're alone. It's very, very important. I, I cannot believe in your salvation if I'm feeling like I've lost my way. Nor can I instruct you if I'm lost. I, I got I to gotta be victorious on my own. Amen. I, I can't stand up here today and, and preach faith and have a doubt, have doubt in God. I got to believe in what I'm preaching. And I have to have had my personal victories Those things are so very, very important that we press ahead in those times when we're alone and trying to build up our most holy faith. And God will give you the equipment to do it. He'll give you the opportunities to do that. You know, sometimes your best friend may not be the best person to to lift you up if they're standing in that pit beside you. Two people in a pit, that's going to be difficult. you got to talk to somebody that's on higher ground. You know, hey, I agree with you. We're both going through this together, but let's just not keep digging the hole. You know, let's just keep, let's just keep looking higher to, to some, some higher plane. When we come to church, there must be a realization that this here, this is my new atmosphere. This is what I'm needing, God. I need faith in my heart. I, I need to have that ability to believe that I can go to that next level with you. And we're always looking at another level. Always. The, 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 the plain uh, life, is, it's good to rest in an even place for a while. But then we've got to go back up the mountain. Amen. Thank God for taking fear away. Moses, he came down from the mountain and he into an atmosphere that was spoiled by sin and fear and doubt. It was spoiled. He burned up on re-entry. He, his, his, the glory of God, his face shining, the, the tablets in his hand. Oh, what glory he must have, have been feeling in the presence of God and the very etchings of God on these tablets that he had and never a man came from such an atmosphere as Moses did and looks out across the beautiful plains and sees God's wonderful people naked dancing around a golden calf and oh he he just couldn't handle that the difference in coming from the presence and seeing a carnal display of people that lost their minds and he took that stone tablets and he threw them and busted them on a rock because humanity that had been in God's presence came in the presence of 
men and women that had totally doubted God. It was a complete opposite situation, and he burned out. And, and the Lord said, all right, back up. Forty more days, no food, <laughs> another 40-day fast. It didn't say God fed him, you know, a good meal of, of, of you know, fried potatoes and, and, and ham and such. It, it just said, you've got to go back up and do this again. And God, of course, empowered him for his journey and for the work that he had to do. And then the Lord added this one little difference. He said, you've you got to cut the stones out yourself this time. First one's on me, this one's on you. You know, you're going to pay for this. He didn't want to do it the third time. He didn't know what in the world. Then i got to make up the law myself. What is it? What's the next stage? He just said, I'm, I'm all right with that. And, and he brought down the law again. And this time he, he stepped down gingerly and, and delicately. And, you know, I realize I'm coming into the presence of people that do not have a relationship with the Shekinah glory of God he had to understand they, they missed the man. They, they were human focused and, and Moses represented God to them and, and they were without him now for 40 and then 40 more days. So he came down, I, I believe, with a new understanding that without what you've got in your hand, there's no hope for them. If they don't receive your word, if they don't receive the word of God, then there is no hope for them. And so you've got to bring the word to them, but it has to be imparted. They have to read it. They have to understand it. So Moses came down that second time with a different kind of an understanding that this is life to them, but i got to give it to them to give them life. And once he saw them, once he saw them, oh my. You know, it, it's sometimes when you walk out of a great service and, and you go to Monday, your jobs, and your boss didn't know. He, he don't know where you've been. He didn't realize the glory cloud that you've just walked out of. And I know sometimes Mondays are one of the worst times in you because you have this hope, you have this victory, you have this feeling, and you get to work, and it's anything but spiritual. Oh, I remember, you know, we were going through a, a time at our church in Fort Lauderdale, and we'd started a church down there, and, and I was a UPS driver, and, and it was like I early on in that job, I just didn't like it. It was too very stressful to try to learn all these routes and things. And I remember going to work. And, man, church had been so good the night before. And I came into an atmosphere of stress and pressure and people that didn't know who my God was and didn't care and they had complaints. And, and I just thought, Lord, how in the world can I come from that work world and descend into this world and, and enjoy life? And I, I didn't understand that what I had to do was keep the word with me and, and keep the presence with me and say I don't need to put it down when I put on my uniform but I've got to take it with me and I've got to descend into that world of mine and I have to still hold on to what I had at the altar last night. It works together. You can serve God. You can worship God and still be a real good employee if you don't lose what you got on the mountain. Amen. But we've got to maintain it. We've got to maintain what God has given us, and that is just by having fresh faith. I, I don't want something stale, and I'm glad for my testimonies, and you're glad for yours, but I don't need to use the same ones that I used 20 years ago. I need to have a brand new testimony today and a new way to tell you how good my God is. I need a new way every time. Every Sunday that we walk out of these doors, we're descending the mountain. We need to be aware of that. We're descending the mountain, but we got to hang on to the word. 
You can't, you can't descend the mountain and put the word down and pick up something. We, we've got to have the word. And if you can hang on to the word and the presence of God and you can go down into your world, then you're doing all right. But if I have to compromise and lay down what I feel in here and the songs I sang in here and my faith that I believed in here, if I have to lay that down, I'm going to come into a, a place of burnout and I've got to come back and start all over next week. We have got to hold on to the promises and hold on to the presence. And we've got to stay and keep believing what we're feeling right now. And when you're sitting here going, I got it, I'm going to conquer. You need to remember what you're saying here. So when you get out there, you don't have to throw it down. But you can say, I know, God, you've got a hold of me. You're going to give me that victory. You're going to go with me. Oh, I know what it's like to go in the work world and, and just have all my faith and hope destroyed. I worked it with construction workers. That's all I should have to tell you. I love construction work, by the way, and I mess around with it still. But I remember Mondays were, it was like show and tell. My goodness. Hung over men, headaches, and I'm wanting to tell them about Sunday night service. And they're like, don't, 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 don't. I can't even hear. I won't go into stories. That's not going to help my sermon. Lord, Lord. See, we've been in His presence, been moved by His Spirit. The effect of God in a spiritual setting, it needs to set in and become a part of our changing nature. We need to, you know, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. We must bring those spiritual episodes into our memory for the next battle. See, the, the, the presence of God, I don't think it's wasted. I don't think he wants us to just waste it. We need to meditate on these things and what God is doing with us and through us and, and bring that with us and, and, and digest that. And when we walk into the work world or into your school, we're, there we're reminded, we're reminded, oh, the conflict. I remember the conflict. We've all had crazy people on our jobs, bosses that, that you know, picked on us, that really was trying to find a way to get under our skin. We've all had that before. But we have to walk in there when we remember that battle. We have to wait, go, wait a minute, but I've been on the mountain. I just got, I was on the mountain. And let me tell you, this church is on the mountaintop. Presence of God is thick in this place. God is moving. But we got to take that down to the bottom and say, God, don't let me lose. Don't let me lose what I believed in. Don't let me lose what I'm feeling and what I'm holding on to because I'm going to need it when I go in there and look at that boss that hasn't had the victory I have and hasn't experienced what I've been experiencing. He hadn't been talking in tongues like I have been. And he's bound by sin and he sees me and something rises up in that boss because he says, there's somebody that's an overcomer and they'll let you be their target for practice and they might shoot at you and fiery words and all of that but you've got to hang on to what you received here and don't let the enemy steal it out of your hand your job might be toxic your boss may be named Lucifer but but you just got to follow you've got to follow the spirit of God and say keep me where I am Lord and where I need to be amen your fellow workers they all may be heathens but you can't succumb to that atmosphere God has to be with you. You must take it down with you when you leave the mountain. We must keep the word in our hands and our hearts and not discard it because it's important. It's important. Amen. It was David's anointing, though, that allowed him to kill that lion and that bear. David was anointed. 
What we feel in here right now, that's the presence of God. That is the anointing of God. That's what we're operating with right now. And, and, and don't think, well, the pastor, he, he's going to go out into his world and he's the spiritual one. He is. Great men of God, him and Sister Boyd, they are your leaders. But they would be all right with me telling you this. There has an anointing upon you and a power that you have. You have the authority to go into that work world, into your business place. You've got the power to go in there and begin to call out on the name of Jesus and say I command you in the name of Jesus devil get away from this place I am a child of God you've got to leave now you've got to change the atmosphere I've slain my giants I've called on his name my God is able to do great things amen thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Fortunately for all of Israel David didn't take a detour before bringing supplies to his brother imagine he was just taking supplies to his brother. I remember we did, you know, years ago, you could do church songs in school, regular school, you know, but it's just the way it was. And, and we had a song, cheese and bread, cheese and bread, all my brothers must be fed. I might have had that part, I don't know, but it was in, it was in grade school. Cheese and bread, and, he, and, and, and you know, it just, that the two things it mentioned, didn't talk about the fig cakes and all that, but it was a song in school about David going to take his brother cheese and bread. And, and he had... A duty to perform. But he had a memory of a horn of oil being poured over his head. A memory of that oil ran down his clothes and soaked every part of his fiber of his clothing and he felt that oil as it ran down his knees and he, he felt it all over himself. It was symbolic but yet it was also powerful. Because when the lion came and when the bear came, something came over David. It wasn't out of his control, but something in his mind changed. And he saw that lion and thought, I can just tear him up. And, and that lion's looking like people have never done this to me before. And he walks up and grabs him and just tears him like he would a small lamb. And same thing with the bear. You don't mess with bears. I hear people say, you know, the brown bear, you do this. The black bear, you do this. I, bear, run. Bear, just run. That's all. Bear is not good. Cub, run faster because mama's there. Just run. But David saw a bear, you're trying to hurt the sheep, I'll take care of you. And, and tore them apart by the anointing of God. And, and so he understood when he come and he saw that Goliath and heard his booming voice. He's like, well, what, what are y'all doing? He shouldn't be taunting the army of the living God. Let me tell you what happened to the sheep. <laughs> Not quite the same thing, but for David, yeah, same God. See, David wasn't thinking, it's all about me, y'all. It's all about me. Lions and giants, bears and giants. No, he said it's about God, the consistent thing. The consistent thing was the anointing. It translates really well. What we have here, it translates really well with anything else you're going through. It translates, amen. It may be a lion, a lamb, a giant, an attitude. It, it translates really well, amen. There's a chance of improve, uh, uh, being uh, put in a new position on the job. It translates from here to there. Lord, look, I felt your presence. I know you're real. Let's, let's see it, Lord. I want to see you do it. Help me to bring it to pass in Jesus' name. See, David, he didn't, he didn't run off somewhere, but he went right to the matter. Because I think in that anointing, he realized he felt something drawing him to that battlefield. He felt something drawing him there. Like, my, my purpose. He said, is there not a cause you know how you feel that, just something drawing you? I feel like David knew in him there was something. I'm not here just to bring some provisions. 
Is there not some cause for me to be here? See, David wasn't being self-important, proud or haughty, but he had an anointing. It was his belief that the thing about me that's connected to God is going to allow me to disconnect this giant's head from his body. The thing about God is what David's talking about. He wasn't coming there to say, watch what I can do. It would have been utter failure. But he said, I feel something. I feel like there's a cause here. There's a cause. There's something else that I can do for God. Amen. David didn't allow temptation to turn him aside or cheap entertainment, but he went right to that battlefield because there was something drawing him there. His integrity preserved his faith. His faith stayed fresh. And it translates really well. Lion, bear, giant. Same category. Opposition. Opposition. It's not about the size. No, it's not about high up in the company they are. No, it's it's same thing. It translates. God is able. God is able. God is able. It's just God is able. God is able. I remember a friend of mine asking me, we had a, a great youth revival years ago, and I got the Holy Ghost when I was eight. And uh, like, you know, some kids of, like, like me, I prayed through a lot. And uh, needed to. <laughs> and there was a weird uh, idea, this, this concept I had was, and don't ever anybody use this for, you know, don't, don't copy me here. Um, but I felt like that, you know, I'd sit on the front row with the other friends that I had. We all sat on the front row hoping that we were getting get, going to get picked to either pass out songbooks or pick up the offering. And, and so we'd be, and we'd slide to the edge of our seat and the pastor would say, you look like you're just ready to come. And, and, and so we would try to look ready. And that was our, that was my main thing was if I can take up the offering. And I love taking up the offering and songbooks, you know, that was a little more treacherous being small, but we, we, we like doing things like that. So, but whenever I couldn't raise my hands in worship, like, you know, you feel when you, let me, let me just explain it. Uh, the way I was, I was a shy kid to some degree. To another degree, it, I wasn't, but I, I, it doesn't make sense. But I was kind of shy. I didn't like to be a spectacle. I got that from my mom. Just, uh, let me stay over here. So I, I figured that when I don't want to raise my hands, I'm backslid. So that was backslid. I didn't raise my hands. I, there, I'm backslid. I, I'll have to pray through sometime, but it sure isn't going to be now. I'm backslid. Bound for hell. Seriously, I, I, I was bound for hell. I was going to go to hell. Uh, Ten years old, but the, a bust in hell wide open. And I, I would pray through, and, and then I could raise my hands. And I remember I could raise my hands a little bit, but I'd get cold in the Lord. I don't know how in the world you do that at, at 10, 11, but I'd get cold. And, and then we'd pray through. So here I am at, at 14 years old. Does something happen to me at 14? I remember I was getting ready for church, and a spirit of God came upon me. And I felt the Lord say, didn't hear him say, I felt the Lord say, you're getting too old to be going back and forth. This is serious now. Tonight, you've got to pray through. 14. And we had this youth revival now, like 13 kids in one night prayed through. And I remember later in that week, Johnny came up to me. Johnny was... This guy, I couldn't understand how and why, but all the girls thought he was just it. And uh, I just, 
whatever about Johnny. I don't know what it is, but just the girls was just all about Johnny. One in particular, and uh, of course. But he come up and he said, uh, you still got it? You know, what he meant was, are you still you raising your hands? Do you still feel like you're, you're, you got the victory? That's the pastor's wife would say that. You got the victory? That's what, something you'd say in those days. You got, and and I, we knew exactly what it meant. Are you winning or have you lost? And he said, do you got it? I said, Johnny, let me tell you what. I got it. If you ask me this a year from now, I'm going to still have it. You know what happened? I got scared and understood that it, the enemy's starting to play for keeps. This, I, I'm in the big people's level now. I got too close to the drop-off point. I got too close. I'd watch my brother join the Navy and broke my parents' heart. They had to sign for him because he said, I don't, Mom, I, I, that's all I want. I want to go to the Navy. And my mother even promised him this. And if you see my mom, don't tell her I told you this. But I remember her saying, because I was eavesdropping, she said, son, we will let you have a TV if you'll just stay here. And I was like, hmm. You know, I'm thinking you need to take door number two. <laughs> and that selfish brother of mine said, no, no, mom, I want to I join the Navy. The Vietnam War just ended, so, you know, it's all safe out there. I want to join the Navy. In my mind, this is the, what the enemy threw, the fiery dart he threw in my mind. All right, your older brother, he's the assistant pastor. He's going to live for God. Second brother, nope, he's lost. Your sister, married a preacher. She's all right. You, you're lost. Your next brother, he'll do all right. I was convinced that every other one of mom's kids were going to be lost, which is me and Jerry. I, I was convinced, if I could let you understand how convinced I was. And I'm in church during that revival period, and my brother was home on leave, and he walked down. He walks in with his horrible beard and these water, these high water pants. It, you know, he just he'd washed them and he shouldn't have. And and and, he, and I'm just looking like he's in church like that. He shouldn't have wore that. And I'm thinking, oh well, at least he's on the back pew. Me and my compadre in lostness. You know, we're all going to be lost. And I see him raise his hands and start walking to the front, and he's already speaking in tongues. I went well. I'm the odd man out. So I prayed too. So that was, that was the impetus. And when Johnny said, you still got it, I said, Johnny, I'm never going to lose it. Because I'm a little scared. I realize that you can lose it. I realized the devil, the things he was tempting me with. He was trying to get me to do things that I would never want to return from. And it made me so angry. Because I'd heard that song, Jesus loves the little children, and I realized, but the devil does not love the little children. He's after a 14-year-old. Who does that kind of stuff? I'm going to live for God like I've never lived for God, and I'm never going to stop living for God. I wanted to hurt him. I wanted to slay my giant, and I did. And you can, and you will. Oh, Lord. I... I I was in a grocery store working years ago. We was in South Florida. We was starting the church down there, and I was working at Winn Dixie. And and I looked out from the door, the swinging doors of the stock room, as we were we were stocking shelves. And this little old lady had a big can of peaches, and she had walked over to the buggy that had the dented cans that you could get for fifty percent off. And she was 
she was so frail, and she was trying to beat that peach can. I said, what is she doing with it? I just stood there thinking, what could she be wanting to do with that peach can? Oh, that's the 50 off. I went, I said, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. She goes, this is, this is dented. I said, no, ma'am, it's not. You weren't hitting it hard enough. <laughs> you only can get what's in there. You can't dent your can and get 50% off of it. I, 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 I. I caught her. Sent her to jail. No. Uh, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll take his hand and he'll just, just a little at a time and try to dent you in the right place to where you'll go, I'm just marked, I guess. You'll brand yourself. Trust me, I've been to that choir practice before. You'll brand yourself and say, I, I, I just don't have it. What I would like to tell you is, yes, you do, because it's the power that is in you. That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Sometimes we get sidetracked by life and we may end up messy and dirty from doing, you know, the maintenance on a, a problem that only brings momentary relief. That happens to us. We do those things. But we need to turn it over to Jesus and go back to the basics that we know it works. David said, I'm going, I'm just going to take my sling. I'm going to take some rocks and we're going to see if God will work this thing out. Go back to what you know to do and God will honor what you're doing if he is the center of it and say, Lord, I want to come back and read. Renew my hope and my faith. Ecclesiastes tells us 9 and 10, whatever your hands finds to do, whatever you can do for God, we just need to do it with all your might for there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where I'm going. While we're up above this side of the ground, whatever we can do, that's exactly what we need to do. What happens between Sundays, that's the determining factor. To us, in our way of worship and, and how we attend, and really it's what happens from between Sundays. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, as a pastor, it's between those Sundays, it's between those Sundays that, that we're, we're full-time. <laughs> those are the times we're watching out. That's when we're praying for the flock. Give them strength, Lord. Help that marriage. Help that situation. Help them in that interview with their job, Lord. And knowing because there's something that they need in their arsenal. They need an answered prayer. They need a God that comes through. You need that in your life. You need another in your quiver. You need testimony after testimony. And don't stop asking God for things. Don't get to the place where, oh, I'm all right. I'm finally there. I've met. Don't get to that place where you don't have anything to pray about. But serve God in such a way that every day you need to get a little higher and call on that name and say, Jesus, help me get there. Defeat that enemy and then defeat that enemy. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. Lord, you're with me because I'm walking through places that I need you all the time. The disciples asked Jesus, they said, I, could, could you explain that, that parable you told in, in Matthew 13 and 18 about the sower? He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. He'll take it out what it's in there if we don't get explanation, if we don't get understanding with it. But he 
This is he who is by the wayside, but he who receives seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy. Yes. That's all right. We love joy. That's a good thing. He says, yet he has no root in himself. He didn't let it go any deeper than the surface. Didn't water it. He didn't pay any more attention to it. As pastors, you know, and you see people come in and bam, they take off and then they're gone, you know. And uh, they run the aisles and sometimes keep on running. You don't see them for a while. No, No root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Cares of the world. Thinking that overtime is really, really the necessary thing. And, and I understand that. I have signed up for overtime. I was on a job in Houston. Now, I'd been working four tw- or seven, seven twelves. And uh, my family saw me every five days if, if the kids got home at the particular time when I brought my laundry, changed it, and went home. It's a great time, many years ago. And I, I, the, the job had reduced to four twelves, and oh, it was like heaven. I thought I got a weekend coming. I'd worked those four twelves, and I was in the back of a truck in this refinery getting ready to be taken to the gate. The boss says, oh, whoa, whoa, I need some volunteers that will work three sixteens. I'm thinking, three sixteens. I'm doing the math in my head. That's more money than I just made doing four twelves. And if I get home and tell my wife that's what they said, she'll be so glad to see me, but burst out into tears, probably immediately thinking, you mean you could have? I thought, there's going to be a lot more days that I'll get to see my kids and see my wife. And I said, I'll do it. I climbed out of that truck, trudged my way back into the tool room, got my tools. I'll tell you, 16 hours a day is long. It's a long, long time but I was doing it for another time. I said, if I can just bear with these three days, I'll be home and we'll get a big paycheck. (laughs) And I did, and we did, and it worked out. And we stayed together. (laughs) It's the same wife that's here today. (laughs) And that is the rest of the story. I wouldn't, I'm not presenting this as a doctrine or something that we should do. There's, there's a limit, and we know our limits. But I'm just saying there was an opportunity that hurt because what I was needing was to get some bills paid. I was trying to compensate for a season of a lot of nothingness, and God was helping us through that. Verse 23, he received seed on good ground. I'll tell you something. This is good ground here. You got good ground in this church. I go back and tell our church. I said, you folks are great, but there's another church just like you. They're great too. There's good ground. Thank God for good leadership and great ministry here. And brother and sister Boyd, he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it. 
and indeed, it says, and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Everybody's different. Every season's different. Every person's different. If you'll stand. He that receives seed on that good ground is he who hears the word. He hears the word. That's the first, really, the first part right there is if we get that part done, if I hear the word. See, hearing is not listening. Listening is hearing the word and actually putting it to use. I hear the word, not just it was out there, but he who hears the word and understands it. I get the sense of it. I get the meaning of it. Brother Boyd told me you'll have church a few Sundays maybe where it just it took off. You had lessons taught. Wednesday, you still had Wednesday. Y'all didn't come here Wednesday and just start running the aisles and say, you know, we'll do this a few minutes, go back home. No, you had Wednesday, you had the word. And we know those are not the norm. We enjoy it. We do. I love it when that happens because I got a sermon I can preach next week already. So don't tell this to anybody in my church. But it happens. But in a normal situation, we're going to hear the word. And that's the start. But then when I hear it and I understand it, I'm two-thirds of the way to success right there. But then if I understand it and then I bear fruit with the word, that means I have allowed the presence and the word of God to do something in me that changes what I am, how I walk, how I stand, how I talk. It has changed my behavior. That means I'm going to bear fruit and it's going to be maybe 60, 30, or 40. It's going to be many times over what I was and what the word was when I heard it. It all goes back to one thing. And that is, God, I need to have fresh faith. I need to have current testimonies. I need to have something that just happened to me that I can say, thank God he's real. He blessed my life. He blessed the church. He blessed another family. He came through. They got a job. The problem is dissolved. The issue was settled. Everywhere around us, we're looking for places. We're looking for the places for David to walk up and say, I just got through killing a lion and a bear. And let me tell you, we can conquer the enemy that's standing right outside. Thank God for blessing us, Lord, with your glorious power. Lord, that you will come through for every one of us and give us the ability to conquer our enemies. Let's lift our hands and give praise unto our God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.